Welcome to the Companion Chapel. My name is Mike, coming to you from the Great Lakes area of beautiful Ontario, Canada, on this gorgeous Saturday, March 27th, day 221, the book of Hebrews today, chapter 5, divine inspiration penned by the Apostle Paul himself, not only for believers, but also aimed at waverers. First, please consider your part in the many-membered body of Christ. Participate in glorifying and magnifying and broadcasting God's saving word. My part is creating this Bible teaching media. Your call to action consists of supporting post-media solutions by way of your time or money contributions. God's word being taught cover to cover, chapter by chapter, verse by verse requires advertising and a functioning website suitable for search and social audience. Whatever God-given talent you have, God expects you to use it in the many-membered body of Christ. God's blessings will abound on you and yours. Give it up for God at companionchapel.com, Visa, MasterCard, PayPal, or e-transfer to email address companionchapel at gmail.com. Your gift of as little as $10 a month or 30 cents a day enables me to bring you a Bible teaching podcast a day every day. You are encouraged to send your biblical questions or prayer requests to email address companionchapel at gmail.com or come by for a Bible study to number 338 side road 28 slash 29 Paisley, Ontario, Canada N0G2G0 is the postal code here and the phone number here that you can text or call is 509-706-8876. Now please turn with me in your Bibles please to Hebrews chapter 5. And verse 1, for every high priest taken among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. This means you had the calling and you answered the calling and now you're a priest and now you're going to be a teacher. Now, remember this chapter goes right in line with the subject of the last chapter. It's about working. It's about your job that God has for you and Somebody hears the calling and he's going to work. He's going to be a priest and sacrifices for sins. That's his, uh, that's all within Jesus Christ now. He'll introduce you to the path to salvation. He'll introduce you to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's his job. That's his calling. Who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way for that he himself is also compassed with infirmity. This means a preacher guy or the guy behind the pulpit, you have to recognize that you're a sinner also, and we are all sinners, and we confess our sins, and there's only one way to repentance, and we repent through our Lord Jesus Christ. We acknowledge what he did on the cross. He would not compromise with evil. He's the only one that has power over sin because he did not sin. Jesus Christ did not allow himself into those prisons of temptation, into the ways or things of the world, even upon the most grueling, tempting circumstances where Satan just beat on him for 40 days and 40 nights in the desert and offered him the whole world. And Jesus Christ said, no, the world is corrupt and I'm going to give them a place of peace beyond our present comprehension. That is legit. And it doesn't matter what you do to me, Satan, because I will not compromise with you. And a preacher has to recognize that's his job. If it's your calling to be a preacher or a teacher, it takes work. And this gets more into this in this uh, book of Hebrews chapter 5. Let's go on to verse 3. And by reason hereof he ought, as for the people, so also for himself, to offer for sins. He offers the, he offers the people, he tells the people how to repent for their sins. We're talking about repentance here. Okay, we're talking about repentance comes from the heart. It's not just lip service, and that's the preacher's job. You have to work, and you have to work your way up to be a preacher. He can't overstep it. Now, this next verse, verse 4, talks about that. And no man taketh this honor unto himself, but he that is called of God, as was Aaron. Okay, so Aaron was called into the priesthood. That's Moses' brother. And following the last chapter, 
what this is talking about here in the first verses of chapter 5, following the last chapter, you have to work for God like any job you start at the bottom. You learn the hierarchy, you learn the curriculum, and work your way up. Now, when you start at the bottom, you don't have the key of David. The preacher guy is supposed to introduce you to that. He says, read your Bible, read your Bible. But most preachers today just will stand there and use the Bible as a book of quotes. And I've had preachers tell me, well, that was written a long time ago, or that's not meant to be understood. Well, that's not true. The Bible's written in the common pen, according to Isaiah, and that's God's word. And it's easy to understand when you continually read it and you're being taught. Anyone who says it's not meant to be understood is not telling you the truth. This is God is not the author of a confusion as it's written. He's the author of truth. He's the author of a road to salvation. And that's what we're talking about here, repentance. So you learn the curriculum and you start your, you work your way up. Like when you first get a job anywhere, it, you have to start at the bottom and work your way up. You don't just get a job and, hey, here's the keys to the office. Here's the keys to the vehicles. Here's the keys to everything. You know, just knock yourself out. First day at work, yeah, the, the place is yours. No, you start usually as a laborer. You start at the bottom and you work your way up. And that's the way it is for, for God. You have to work. Because you can't just, uh, oh, I read the Bible, I went to church. I read a few verses or I went to church. You know, you have to continually to work at it. God has called you to do His work. Okay, let me explain this better. That The knocking you hear at your conscience, written in Revelation 3.20, your conscience, your inner being, craves, it craves inner peace. The way, okay, the ways and the things of the world cannot help you with that. Only through Jesus Christ. And that's what's being said here. Preacher guy, you teach your flock about repentance and you glorify the cross and you make sure they understand what the cross means. Don't just stand there and say, he died for your sins. Uh, uh, Jesus Christ died for you. Well, you know, for a guy like me, that didn't make any sense. Like, what do you mean he died for me? Well, he didn't compromise with evil. He set up a place of peace beyond our present comprehension for whomsoever will. Okay, do you starting to understand now? It's your job, the priest. That's what Paul's talking about. Well, don't work. Don't overstep your place in the hierarchy. It's Jesus Christ on top and people that have worked their way up. Our job is to teach everybody with compassion and have compassion on the ignorant and people that are out of their way and be gentle with the word. But you have to have God's word in you. Developed to teach it. Don't overstep your place in the many-membered body. If you're at the bottom, respect your place and work your way up. Just because you've heard a few catchphrases, don't go around being a Bible thumper. Remember what Jesus Christ told his uh, disciples before he called them apostles. He says, listen, you guys, you're disciples, but now I'm calling you apostles. I'm sending you out with the word, okay? And if, if you get up in somebody's face teaching the Bible, and they slap you in the face, they turn your cheek and take another slap. You deserve it. You know, don't be Bible thumper. Don't overstep your place and don't try and force it on people is what's being said here. Okay, always remember that. Uh, okay, verse 5. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made a high priest, but he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today I have begotten thee. Our Father has is the government. He, our Father is uh, governmental perfection. And it's just like, like, let's just compare this to man's government, which is not like the Canadian government. Okay, they have a ministry of the environment. Okay, you want to talk about the environment? You got to talk to that ministry of the environment. You want to talk to the ministry of health, health, public health problems? Okay, go to the ministry of health. Uh, ministry of transportation, you need uh, tags for your vehicle? Okay, you go to the ministry of transportation. God set up a ministry of salvation. 
He called it his righteous right arm. He called him Emmanuel, God with us. He sent him down. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. And, and in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, Emmanuel. He's our teacher, our master, our rabbi. He sent a part of him down. Okay, this is my son. Today I have begotten thee. He's, I made him a high priest. Jesus Christ didn't go around, you know, patting himself on the back with, the, you know, a hockey sweater on with the word God on the back and number one. He didn't go around saying, hey, you know, acting like a big shot. He went around humble. He tried to show us. He's our teacher, our master, our rabbi. He's our wonderful counselor. Okay, verse 6. As he saith, also in another place, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Psalms 110. And what's being said here? Melchizedek. Who's that? Well, Melchizedek from uh, Genesis chapter 14, uh, we know, which means king of the just. And that's one of Jesus Christ's sacred names. He's king of the just. King of the just, king of the righteous. He's the king of kings. He's the high priest after the order of the king of the just. Melchizedek. That's what Melchizedek means. Psalms 110, if you want to look up that. And uh, again, uh, Genesis chapter 14, verse 7. Who in the days of his flesh, when he was here, walking in the flesh amongst us, because God will not ask us to do anything he hasn't been tempted to, or been tempted by, or ask us anything to do that he, that he didn't do, he walked in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he revered. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. Okay, what's being said here? Do you remember in uh, Matthew chapter, I forget, where it's, I think it's 25 or 26, where Jesus Christ went and he was praying and it was like, is there any other way to pass this cup? And all the biblically illiterate people think he was trying to deke out of the uh, getting nailed to the cross. Jesus Christ performed the most selfless act of love and compassion beyond our present comprehension. He wasn't trying to get out of the cross. He was doing it for us. He was trying to say, is there any other way, Father, that we don't have to dump this cup of wrath on all the people? Let Satan just 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 grab us by our tails and shake us around and just make a mess of this planet with his four hidden empires. Is there any other way? Can we just stop this now? But God knows best. God said, no, Satan is going to have, the, have his, his big empires there, uh, the one world economy, money's the root of all evil. It causes so much pain and suffering and, and just abominations uh, in the world. Political system, wars and rumors of wars. Money causes deception and lying and cheating and people do anything for money. They worship money. They worship political systems. They, and then the global media, just destitute of truth. All these satanic systems. Jesus Christ didn't want us to have to experience all this. And he asked his father, he said, Father, is there any other way? He's trying to teach us. And God's teaching us right back saying, no, there's no other way. Because people have to experience it for themselves. I will only accept free will love. It's They either want to serve me with their free will love or they want to serve Satan. And, and that's the way it is. It's up to everybody individually. They have to realize that all these things that they're trying to serve and the ways and things of the world, as I said in the last verse, um, trying to find inner peace any other way except through Jesus Christ. You're not going to find it because there's only one place of peace beyond our present comprehension, and that's the kingdom of heaven, and it's for whomsoever will. And you're not going to get in there if you think you can uh, write your own road to salvation. And that's what Jesus Christ was saying here. He was praying for us. He wasn't trying to duck out of his job of coming down here and, 
and setting up a valid, legit kingdom because he would not compromise with evil. No guile, no malice, no corruption was found in our Lord Jesus Christ. He went up there, they nailed him to a cross, and he still said, forgive them for they know not what they do. He still said people, they can still come to repentance. That's how much he loved them. And then he taught the whole Psalms 22 from verse 1 to the last verse. And when he said it is finished, our father looked down and says, this guy, that's, that's, that's my son. He did not compromise with evil in the face of extreme temptation, brutal murder, brutal torture, humiliation. No, he, and that immediately when he gave up the ghost and he went into his spiritual body, the kingdom of heaven was set up valid. He defeated death. He defeated Satan because he will not give any power to it and he will not accommodate it. And once we get there, if you decide that's where you want to go, because it's an individual choice, then that place of peace beyond our present comprehension, a place of unity, a place of safety, a place where everybody understands each other because we've come to an understanding of each other. There's no guile, no malice, no corruption. There's no finger pointing. There's no disdain. There's no hatred. There's none of these horrible things in the ways and things of the world. There's no economy. There's one governmental system. That's our Father. That's God. One God. And He knows best. And we pay homage to that because mankind is unable to govern themselves. Every plan, plot, purpose of mankind always starts out, okay, this sounds good. And then you just see some frustrations. People getting frustrated here, frustrated there. Uh, we're going to stomp on people's human rights here. Uh, Mother Nature's rights doesn't mean nothing there. We've turned this whole planet into a war zone. There's enough nuclear weapons on planet Earth to blow it up, but God's in control. He's just trying to keep everything under control. Hey, if you people want to perpetuate evil, then you can have it. There's a place that's called hell, and you're going to go through that for another thousand years after this flesh age because I gave you a choice. You can either love me or, or love the ways and things of the world. The ways and things of the world include things that you make up yourself. Uh, overstepping your bounds in the many-member body, thinking, you know, oh, I know better. I know what the Bible says. I know. Well, you haven't even read it. You haven't studied it. Or you claim to have read it, but it's impossible to understand unless you've been taught. It's like any, it's like any curriculum. It's like any, this is the most, most important school course you'll ever take in your life. Get a working knowledge of the Bible. You can't just say, I love Jesus Christ, so you don't even know him. I've been to Bible studies, and I started teaching, and it was like, no, we don't, we don't want to hear anything about beasts, whores. Uh, we don't want to hear anything about Satan. We just want to teach the love of Christ. That's it. Well, if your father loves you, he's going to teach you who's deceiving you and who's dragging you into hell. And so that Bible study was dead in its tracks. But that's too bad. I prayed for those people. And uh, if they want to start tearing pages out of the Bible because they think they know better, perhaps they should read the last page of the Bible. You can't add anything. You can't subtract anything. And that's all there is to it. God's Word stands. It is. It was. It always will be. God's Word is consistent. It doesn't just go with the flow. Just because society is morally corrupt. Oh, you know what? Uh, mainstream media has passed off these morally deprived or morally corrupt ways of thinking, ways of acting, and uh, we're going to make it the new normal. Yeah, we're going to glorify it. We're going to glorify sex outside of marriage and make people sex. Just talk about sex all the time. Talk about people's groins, and uh, we're going to glorify that, and that is the new normal. That's okay. It's okay if you have barnyard morals. Yep, it's okay in society. It's not okay in God's society. It's not okay if you covet money and the things money can buy. That's not okay in heaven, in God's society. It's okay here. It's glorified here. The more crap you got in your driveway and the bigger your house, hey, 
That guy made it. He's better. Yeah, what's going on inside him? There's no inner peace. It's impossible. You have lots of, you know, times of peace where you feel good and you're having good times. But deep down inside, you know, you're going to face your mortality. And you better have your ducks in a row when it comes to, I'm going to, you're going to meet your maker and you're going to have a lot of explaining to do if you're selfish and and if you're gluttonous and greedy and you can just say anything you want. People, like a lot of rich people, will just give out of their um, excess. It's like, yeah, I'm a giver, I'm a giver. Well, you know what? God requires that of you. It's, for example, even, even more, this cup of wrath contains the greed and it's people's investment portfolios and having all kinds of excess stuff and they don't care where it's made. They don't care about labor exploitations, other people's human rights being infracted as long as they get their stuff. They don't care about Mother Nature's rights just being tromped down as long as they get their stuff. They don't care how they make money on their investment portfolio. If it's in some third world somewhere, like in our, our China or, or anywhere, hey, give me more stuff. I don't care. I, those people are being uh, even genocide right now here in 221. Oh, but we're still going to trade with them. We still want their stuff. God's going to require that of you. You have to be really careful. If we serve God, you can't serve God and money. You can't serve God and mammon, as it's written in the book of Matthew. And so Jesus Christ was, you know, crying in tears. He was trying to make us so that we would not have to go through this age anymore. Just come on down. Let's just wipe out Satan. But the thing is, all evil in the world comes from the human heart. And to get rid of it is only one way. We have to live it and decide for ourselves. Are we going to come back to God's outstretched arms? Are we going to continue to kick against the pricks and just keep trying to find our own way to inner peace, our own way to salvation? And there's only one way. It's through Jesus Christ, Yeshua Messiah. And he taught us how. He's our teacher, our master, our rabbi. Okay, verse 9, verse 8, verse 9, verse 8. Though he were a son, yet he... Okay, he suffered. He suffered for us. Nine. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. There's your condition there. He's the author of eternal salvation. He is the living word. In the, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word is the light, and the light is the truth, and the truth is the great separating force between right and wrong, good and evil, and heaven and hell. That's the sword of truth that we talked about in verse 4. It's a two-edged sword. It'll cut uh, your, your spirit from your soul. And don't forget your spirit and your soul. Your soul is what you are. You're a human being. Your spirit is who you are. It's your reactive attitude that motivates all actions. Your spirit is the intellect of your soul. And if your spirit is carrying things and ways of, ways of things of the world carrying the attitudes and aptitudes that Satan has put in us or put in our minds, then you can't bring those. God will not accommodate those. Jesus Christ will not accommodate those things in the kingdom of heaven. That's all there is to it. That's where the sword is. It comes from his mouth. It's a sword of truth. It cuts false from a lie. It cuts heaven from hell. God, or called of God, a high priest after the order of Melchizedek again. Uh, he's the high priest, and Melchizedek means king of the just, the order of the king of the just, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing that you are dull of hearing. Okay, these are people that just want to question God's word. We have a lot to say. People that have studied God's word for years and years, and we want to share it. Um, 
you know, God has nothing to prove to you. When people say, well, why did Jesus allow that? Or God allow this? Why did God allow that? You know, stop pointing fingers. You have to look at yourself. You have to look at human frailty. You have to look at the way the world is. We perpetuate evil. So why do you think that you're not going to be pressed into it? Bad things are going to happen to you. People are going to get things in their mind that are going to upset you. As it's written, offenses will come to you. And this is, and, and here's when we're trying to teach people. Uh, uh, we learn from Jesus Christ, and he teaches us through this word. And as soon as, wherever, wherever or whenever God's word is called into question, Satan is there. Whenever or wherever God's word is challenged, the devil is there. If you have ever entertained doubts about God's doubts about God's word, the false prophet is there. If God's word makes you feel uneasy and causes you to express suspicion towards its validity, evil spirits are there infested in your ego, feeding all your uncertainties, anxieties, and fears. And Paul calls these people dull. You're dull. You're hard to talk to. Like you just you have your mind made up. Don't cast your pearls before swine. As soon as these people let go, if you want to learn the Bible, you have to let go of all these notions and all the hearsay and all the propaganda you've heard about the Bible, which is endless. And you want to hear what the truth is? Then hushy, thou mouthy, and open thy ears, and it will come to you. You just keep reading and reading. If it doesn't make sense to you, you just watch it start to come to life. You know, just keep reading it and reading it. And find yourself a teacher, and a teacher will teach you. I'll teach your whole Bible cover to cover, and that's what I'm doing right now, 12. For when, for the time you ought to be teachers, yeah, you think you're a teacher, you have need that one teach you again. That's right. That's people overstepping their, their spot in the many-membered body. They get, they get a few things that they think about God's Word, like how many people have written me letters about Genesis chapter 1 and 2. Oh, there's two creation stories there, Michael. Oh, you don't understand. Listen, you know what I understand? Is I can read at a grade 5 level. And I can read Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. There's your creation story right there, period. Then there's a gap of billion years. If God wanted, wanted us to know more what went on there, then he would have told us. We were born once. We passed through the matrix once, innocent of woman, into this next age. And that's Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. The, the earth became void and without form. The word was is a really unfortunate translation because the word in the Hebrew is hayach. And that means became. It only means became. Was in the English means, oh, God created the earth void and without form. Well, that's weird. No, he no. The word created in the verse one of Genesis chapter one, verse one is bara, and it means he created a spectacular with beauty and order. He created the only self sustaining planet that we know of. It's a jewel of the universe. And look what we've done to it. Just turned it into a chemical toilet full of wars and troubles and oppressions. Okay. Now we're going back to uh, dull of hearing. Yeah, okay. Don't argue with an idiot because they always win by experience. Just shake the dust off and go to somebody that wants to fellowship with you. Okay, 12. For when, for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. What is the oracles of God? I had somebody say that to me the other day. I just want to know the oracles of God because she's sitting there trying to act like a genius, right? Like, oh, okay, Miss Princess. You want to know the oracles of God? You know what that word means? Logos means the word of God. That's all it means. Oh, what are the oracles of God? 
It's the Word of God. It starts at Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, ends at Genesis chapter 22, verse 22, or something like that. 22 verse, 22, verse 21. Okay, there's your oracles. There's your logos. The Word of God. It's God's Word. Jesus Christ came in the volume of the book. He is the living Word. It's the only thing that will get you any salvation. It's the only thing, it's the only possibility at inner peace, which I pray for everybody. I pray for that woman. Okay, you know what? Have another beer, smoke another cigarette, right? You know, just if you want, if you want to learn God's word, then pick up a Bible, start reading and start find, find yourself a teacher. If you don't like me, find yourself someone who teaches the Bible chapter by chapter, verse by verse, like it's written. It's not a book of quotes. It has divine threads in it. And these divine threads weave through this Bible and they are the divine stamps of the trademark stamps of validity of, of God's word through the Bible. These divine threads that run through the Bible will just light up your day when you start seeing them because they are the structural fabric of the key of David. And then you can sit and enjoy the Bible. You can sit and read it and know exactly what's being taught, exactly what's going on outside your window today and never feel any anxiety, worry, fretting away about things. Oh, the offenses will come to you. But at least you can hit the floor and pray, and Jesus Christ will show you a way out. He always will. He always gives you a way out. Unless you're dull of hearing and think you can get your own way out of trouble. Jesus Christ is the only way out of trouble. Oracles of God. Okay, these people uh, who teach and that uh, need to be taught again, these are the people, these are the preachers and the pastors that wear dresses and have the backwards colors on that just use the Bible as a book of quotes. Or they're up there and they got the nice big teeth and, and the perfect hair. And let me tell you something, they can put on a sermon. But you can listen to those sermons. I want you to pick your favorite priest, your pastor, wherever he's on TV, some church, wherever. You give him six solid months. Then you sit in the parking lot in your pickup truck with your Bible and go, okay, I'm going to open it to a page where I know he's been teaching me. And if you can pick up the subject and object and the message being conveyed, support that preacher. He's a good guy. But if he's just using the Bible as a book of quotes and you just know all these little one-liners and you can't understand what the Bible really says, then walk in and ask Joe Diamond Preacher for your money back. Okay? Of whom many things... Okay, first, um, finishing up verse 12 and are become such as need of milk and not strong meat. Like you guys got to start off from the scratch, from the milk. You give a baby milk. And remember, don't ever step, don't overstep your place in the many-membered body of Christ. If you're if you're just starting, yeah, you need the milk. You just got to be taught. Okay, let's, let's start at Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 here. And uh, maybe we'll read some New Testament too, or part 2 of the Bible. And uh, let's just introduce you. It's just like introducing you to life. Like a baby, we're introducing, we're being gentle, we're being kind. We're not trying to blow you out of the water or point fingers or not be forgivers. Understand human frailty. People learn at different levels, different stages. Okay, always have compassion on people and love them. Say, I love you. Well, I might not love what you're doing or thinking, but I love you and I really want to gently teach you this word. And it is, is what it is. I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you. I'm going to teach it to you. All the idioms, metaphors, figures of speech, the euphemisms, the customs of the times. Let's get this into you. I'll go back. I, I read the manuscripts for hours before I teach. I'm trying to try my best. God knows. Okay. Milk and not strong meat. Strong meat is the meat of the word. That's what you give to an adult when they're maturing. You don't give meat to a baby. A baby Christian. No. You give them milk. You gently 
introduce them. You don't want to blow them out of the water. You don't want to tell them you're wrong. You're thinking wrong. Say, listen, you want to hear what God's word is? It's time to learn. Like you're in school. In school, do you just run your mouth? Do you think the professor would just say, oh, there's a smart guy just running his mouth. Yeah, he knows everything. Look, he hasn't even read the books, but he somehow he knows everything about the curriculum. Yes, you're, you're an honor student. That never happens. If you're in school and you're running your mouth like the first couple of days or, or any time in class, you're going to get kicked out. And remember, then you're going to be, uh, the, the professor's going to go, no, I'm not going to teach him anything. That's judicial blindness. And judicial blindness, God goes by that also. It's just the way things are. Judicial blindness always follows persistent unbelief, imaginative criticism, or chronic disobedience. You know, just had enough. Get out of my class until you're ready to hushy and respect the natural order of things. Then get out. That's in any school class. And that's the way the Bible is too. You can't just hear some stuff and think you know everything. Oh, I read it on the internet. I read it on Facebook. Oh, I heard my preacher say a verse here and a verse there. And he came up with these really, he has a whole book. You can buy whole books for, by these super preachers with all these sugar-coated messages in it and never learn the Bible. I know people and I pray for these people. And I feel so bad that they have books, shelves of books in their library. And I've seen them and I've looked at them. I've read some of the books. And I say, you know what? It's too bad. You're just reading these books. You're making this person rich. All they care about is money. They just want to sell you the books because they have a book here to teach. It's the Bible. Like, how? what, do you think you can improve on it? Do you think you're better than God's Word? And it's just full of sugar-coated messages. And they can never, you can read all the books from these super preachers. Read them all. And then grab the Bible. Do you understand what's being said? Can you read it from cover to cover? It's just one book. But you spent so much time supporting those preachers, and God will require you of that. And say, why didn't you support a teacher? Why didn't you find? It's hard to find a remnant of truth. You're not going to find them on some big fancy stage, wearing a backwards dress or a backwards collar, or trying to sell you books. Hey, you might find a remnant of truth in an abandoned house with no electricity or running water. Oh, you're in Paisley, Ontario, with my little doggy. I know how to teach the Bible. I know I'm teaching right, but. What are you going to see when you drive up my laneway and see some guy standing there in a pair of Jordans and a pair of Jumpman basketball shorts and a Mac jacket on? That's what you're going to see. What do you expect to see? Christ even said that. What do you expect to see when you find a remnant of truth? Someone in a dress? Uh, someone with a backwards collar on? No. You're going to find them in the weirdest places. Maybe right here at 338, side row 2829, Paisley, Ontario, Canada. Come on up, man. Let's have a Bible study together. I'm down with it. I love you to pieces. I might not love what you're thinking. Leave your crap at the end of the lane, too. Okay, 13. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Like, like, don't think you're a preacher just because you got a few catchphrases together and then you put a cross on and go around. Yes, I'm a preacher now. I'm a teacher. I'm a minister. Yes, I be holy. Now stand back. I got a few catchphrases here that I'm going to just lay down on you. And then, uh, hey, you got any money for me? Got any money for God? Come on. Okay, biblically illiter biblical illiteracy. Biblical literacy starts here at the Companion Chapel. I guarantee it. I put my eternal soul on the line for it. 14, but strong meat belongs to them that are full of age. That's matured. You matured as a Christian. 
Okay? If you want to have a good steak, well, you don't give one to a little baby. No, you give it to an adult, full of age. You're mature. You mature as a Christian. Even those by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Yeah, that's right. We've been through it. Someone like me has been through a lot of stuff. I don't blame. I blame myself. I learned to stop pointing my finger outwards and point it at myself and go, Hey, dude, you, dumbass, you walked into all these prisons. It's your fault. You walked into prisons of drugs, sensual lust, booze. You walked into prisons of entitlement, superficialness, blame, pointing fingers at others. Only they did this. Only they did that. You know, you walked into prisons of longings for money and thinking you could buy things, buy happiness. That was me. All these things were me. I I walked them, and God was there with his outstretched arms. After all those years, and I was still studying the Bible, I wasn't walking the walk, I wasn't talking the talk. I was talking the talk, but I wasn't walking the walk. Now I walk it. And thank God, God loved me so much, he chastised me right from the brink of death several times. Waking up in the hospital, looking around, how the hell did I get here? God was there. He says, listen, boy, one more time, and it's curtains for you. And you can pl go play in hell for a thousand years because you think you can write your own road to salvation. And then I had to humble. That's what I'm doing here. That's why I'm sitting here with no electricity, no running water, just teaching the Bible, doing 120 podcasts in 120 days now. We've done the book of uh, Corinthians 1 and 2, Titus, done the whole book of uh, the... Um, Isaiah, we've done the whole book of Zechariah. Now we're up here in Revel or Hebrews chapter 6 already. You know, it used their senses and exercises to discern both good and evil. Yeah, I was a dummy. I was unworthy. And that's true. I'm still unworthy. I'm still learning, exercising what is the truth. And the truth is a great separating force between right and wrong, good and evil, and heaven and hell. Thank you, God, for the chastisement. I never turned around and blamed God. You know, I prayed for money before. I prayed for everything. You name it. I just think, why, why am I getting this? Then I realize, hey, God's not my genie in the bottle. God's not my personal butler. And God says, well, I used to think, oh, geez, it says here, uh, ask and you shall receive. And now realize that God knows best. The only thing you should ask for is the love of Christ in your heart. And then you ask to be a servant. And all of a sudden, the key of David will open up for you and bonk you right on the head. It's like, wow, look at these verses coming to life. Look at this Bible. I can read this whole thing cover to cover and just teach it at way deeper level than I'm doing here on these podcasts and understand it. Have the love of Christ in your heart. I love everybody. I might not love what they're doing, but when I pray, I pray for everybody equally. I'm praying for you. I love you to pieces. Come on out. Let's make this a great church, a companion chapel, a great broadcasting center. Believe me, I don't want anything. I just want to be able to do this every day and not be freezing cold. Maybe I have a kitchen and an indoor bathroom for me and my little doggy. And whatever you want to do with this place. Everything belongs to God. Yeah, this place might be mine, but it's not mine. It belongs to God. It belongs to you. It belongs to everybody. That's our inheritance. We have nothing, but we have everything. This place, 77-acre property right on the river, it's gorgeous here. A little bit cold in the winter, but what we do? Throw a coat on like I did. And... uh See if we can make this a nice place. Play your part in the many member body of Christ. I can make this, I can create this media, but your call to action, the knocking on your conscience, is to get involved with the true Bible teacher. Yeah, I'm not someone nice to look at. Uh, I'm not going to wear a backwards dress. You, the only name you'll ever call me is Michael or Mike, whatever. 
because I'm a servant just like you. Help promote this podcast. Help promote this Bible teaching. Help glorify and magnify God's word the way you see fit. Wherever you want me to fit into the many-member body, whatever I can do for you, I can only do one thing. Everything else is up to you. I can teach the Bible. You're up, it's up to you for post-media solutions, audience, social networks, search engines. All that stuff is up to you. I just upload these podcasts blindly. It's time for this to take off, and let's make this. Let's do this together. I love you, and I praise the Lord, and I know you do too, deep down inside. You know what? I want to thank you for listening so much. Get in touch with me. My name is Mike. This is a Companion Chapel, number 338, side row 28-29, Paisley, Ontario, Canada. Listen, you can email me at companionchapel at gmail.com and anything that you can do to promote, magnify, and help broadcast God's word. That's up to you. That's your blessings. It's your God's gift. Thank you very much for listening. Have a great day, and bye for now.